It's so great to be here together today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Laura, and looking forward to dwelling in the Word with you today. I love how Rachel started the morning asking why we gather, what we love about gathering as a church community. And I loved how we talked about worship and friends and um, celebrating what's happening in our lives. And I love what um, Barb said, how it's a great start uh, to the week for us as well. And another reason why we do gather every week is um, because we are the people of God coming together on a Sunday to worship. And then we scatter during the week. So I love that we, we gather on a Sunday and then we scatter during the week to our places of mission because we're all missionaries. There is something exciting happening in the eastern suburbs at the moment, something really transformational happening amongst a number of churches. Uh, this uh, initiative is called Stable One. Has anyone heard of Stable One? Their mission is to support the church as it works together to share the love of God by providing accommodation to those in need and offering spiritual and physical care. So one church each night of the week hosts um, people in need of a place to sleep and a place to eat. And uh, this is happening uh, with churches like um, Discovery and um, other ones in the local area. And so... This is happening because people are recognising that, hey, there are people in our world who don't have a place to stay and how can we as a church be a place of hope and compassion in the neighbourhood? There is also now another group of churches in the Maroondah uh, who are wanting to do the same thing and are called the Maroondah Winter Shelter 2018, which we've just heard about from Drew um, at Ringwood. And their mission statement is that Maroondah churches and the community will respond to local homelessness. And so between June and August, seven churches will open their door overnight to provide accommodation. But a few people are a little bit uncomfortable from it because they're finding that they're having what they called all sorts of people now coming to their church after staying there. So they've got people who are from all different social groups in the community and people are feeling a little bit uncomfortable, which is interesting. And so this morning we're going to talk about the church in mission dash discomfort um, <laughs> and explore what it is about our mission that we are called to, sometimes the discomfort in that, but why we as followers of the way, followers of Christ, are called to be a church in mission. So in a moment I'm going to ask you when you have ever experienced maybe situations of discomfort or newness, if you've been in a mission situation, or even just in your workplace as a Christian, or your family as a Christian, whether you would feel comfortable to share a story. Because today we're going to look at moments where we might feel uncomfortable when we talk about mission and getting close to people who are a bit different from us. Um, and so I thought it'd be great to be real about our own experiences as well as we find what God has to say about that. So as you think about um, when you maybe have had a time of discomfort in mission or in your workplace or school, being a Christian, um, I'll share with you um, one of mine. So last year, a few of us went to Dayton, which is a town near Muldura, to help out a holiday program in Indigenous community there. And we had probably multiple moments of discomfort or different situations over the week. We had some kids swearing at us. 
asking really interesting um, couple questions <laughs> to Sam and I. Um, you know, we had kids whose hair was matted that, you know, we were, I was working to unmat. You know, lots of different things that were quite new for us, different social group, different context. And what you do when you're standing with a child that, um, yeah, swears at you or throws stuff at you, kind of how you manage that. And I found in that moment it was different, it was new, it was uncomfortable. But it was also an opportunity where I thought, well, we saw God's image in the kids and got to be part of their real life and what was happening there. So I'm wondering, does anyone have a story when you've maybe experienced discomfort in a mission ministry situation or being a Christian in your workplace or family? I know it's a big question, so I'll give you a few moments to think. Becky. About 20 years ago, I went to India on a mission trip. And um, most of that was actually not too bad because we were with a group and it was really uh, a lot of fun as well as great opportunity. But one time we went to a leper colony and um, we're invited to lay hands on the lepers and pray for them. And I just remember having a moment of all the things I learned in Sunday school about how catchy leprosy was <sighs> go through my head. And this little fear of, what if I get leprosy? Which was ridiculous. But, um, you know, like I, it was a real moment of discomfort. Mm, thank you. Carolyn. Hayley. Um, so with work, we went on a little mission trip, or mission trip, it was a work trip to Cambodia last year to run a few camps in different spaces for kids um, with major um, language barriers, which was incredible mm. and really hard. But we did a, a day camp on a beach, um, which Cambodia is a predominantly Buddhist country and we're not allowed to do biblical teachings um, with anything outside of a group that we've organised, but we had all of these children coming and joining our group, just children who were on the beach, and we're going, if they tell their parents, they could tell the authorities, we could get in trouble, because we're allowed to do it with our people. But, but we just, like, prayed over the situation and ended up having these, like, just this beautiful time with all these children on the beach where they're all just learning and playing, and it was just phenomenal how God kind of covered that space and, you know, no one came to shut it down or get us in trouble because it could have been a potentially terrible situation. <laughs> yeah, wow. Thanks, Haley. That actually speaks to um, the passage we'll look at today where Jesus prayed the disciples would be protected from the enemy in situations um, with people. Anyone else um, want to share? Yeah, Steve. Um, I think one of the first times I ever did a funeral was for a, a guy who died, a member of a bike club. And there was about 2,000 people there at it. And they were um, people who were warring against each other and not with sorts with each other. And I was pretty petrified. And I remember just before standing up there, just being absolutely petrified and thinking, boy, these people are looking to me for support and comfort. Aren't they mistaken? And, <laughs> and it was one of those real moments of, it's actually, this is when you depend on God. Mm. You know, you... you, you um, Prepare as much as you can, but you actually depend on God in this situation. And it's actually good that, you know, you don't feel... I, like, I felt completely out of my comfort zone. And uh, so, yeah, and uh, quite fearful, actually, for yeah. um, my physical health. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks, Steve. I think from these stories we hear of um, God's heart um, for the world and our heart for the world, but also our human moments of discomfort intersect and... Um, Great hearing the stories of God's provision in that, but also the realness of it's not always easy. 
So we are in a bit of a tension as a church community because we want to be a church that is outward and missional and connecting with the local neighbourhood. Yet we also sometimes find ourselves maybe uncomfortable about that, the nerves around connecting with people who are maybe a bit different from us or our worldview. Um, we might admire people who do that stuff from afar but think, yeah, I'm quite okay here. They can do that sort of stuff. We find ourselves in a tension. We want to be a church that's outward and missional, yet we sometimes feel uncomfortable about that. And so as we look at our passages today, I encourage you, and I will be as well, to be listening for a nudge, anything that God might bring to mind to you as we talk about this, what he might reveal about yourself and what stirs in you and also about his heart for the world. So the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, were called to go to the corners of the earth to heal, pray for leprosy, to touch, to see, to love, and were persecuted for it. Being the church in mission is not easy or comfortable. And there is a reality that sometimes we might experience a bit of criticism or misunderstanding, discomfort, as we are followers of the way in this world which is why it is helpful for us today to know whose we are and who we are living missionally for. So we're going to look at two passages today. The first one is John chapter 17, verses 13 to 23. And this passage is just before Jesus is arrested and he's praying for himself that God would be glorified through him. He's praying for the disciples, for protection for them in the world and also praying for future believers because just after this, Jesus ascends to heaven. So it's a really beautiful passage where we see Jesus praying to the Father. John chapter 17, 13 to 23. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So he's praying to God for the disciples. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them, make them holy in the process of holiness. By the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified, made holy, set apart. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, which Rachel touched on earlier. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Then the world will know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. I love seeing Jesus praying here. And I wonder what we think about Jesus praying that the disciples are not taken from the world, not taken from persecution, not taken from discomfort, but protected in that, as Haley shared with us. Perhaps it speaks to the nature of God when we think about mission and living as followers of the way in this world, that God doesn't maybe want to take us out of those uncomfortable, challenging situations, 
having a funeral for two, with 2,000 people, whew, that would be nerve-wracking. But he wants to be present in that and to look out for our soul and spirit in that. In this prayer, we hear that Jesus is concerned about the disciples having joy, having unity, being made holy in the process of them following him. That mission isn't just uncomfortable and challenging, but we can find joy in that too. And we hear Jesus calling us through scripture to the way, the way of mess, the way of discomfort, the way of joy, the way of unity, the way of fulfillment, the way to follow things that will last. Perhaps that is the reason why Jesus spends so much time loving the unloved, speaking to bless the poor in spirit, the lasting values of meaning. So Jesus doesn't pray that the disciples here will be comfortable and will have healthy, good donkeys slash their version of a car <laughs> to get around, maybe, <laughs> or that they'd have you know, no sores on their feet. He doesn't pray that they will, you know, be welcomed into people's houses because they weren't always welcomed either. He prays for protection for them as they go into the world. Um, Joe and I were talking about this message last week and she was speaking of mission as getting up and going. And I love that phrase. And we see that the disciples did that. They were sent by Jesus into the neighbourhood. In Matthew chapter 10, we see Jesus sending out the 12 and he prays in verse 7, for them. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Later on, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, but the spirit of the father will be with you and speaking through you. Now that's very paraphrased. Check out Matthew 10 if you want to know more. But he speaks about as they are going to bring the kingdom of heaven near, but they're also not doing it on their own or in their own strength. As Steve mentioned, the spirit goes with them to protect them. I love this, that Jesus was concerned for those in Israel, that they would know the kingdom. And I love that he leaves the disciples and all of us with the Holy Spirit so that we don't do any of this alone. Jesus prayed for the protection of disciples because he knew that they'd need it. And he knew that perhaps we might need it too. I heard this, I read this quote in my commentary this week as I was reading this topic and it said, God's warfare with the world will continue. Neither the Father nor the Son is going to abandon the world. Rather, they will continue to engage it and confront it and call it to him. The disciples' place in the world is not something they can give up because the world is not something that God can give up on. I wonder how this might speak to us with the people that we intersect with in our week-to-week and our mission spaces. So sometimes we want to live lives of comfort and ease. We don't want to get the butterfly knots (laughs) come up. We want the familiarity to be with those who love us and treat us right. Yet we follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who is calling us to partner with him to bring God's rescue plan to the world, to be amongst those who are on the margins in the neighbourhood those who aren't as loved in our world. And I wonder what this shows us about Jesus. I wonder what this speaks to us. For those of us that have times where we want to escape wherever we are and go to Hawaii on the beach, I'm sure some of us have that place that we sometimes want to escape to that would be easy and warm and, you know, you can have smoothies all day. 
But I wonder what this shows us about Jesus, calling us to go to the corners of the earth, maybe Hawaii, maybe not, um, <laughs> to love God and love his people, to bring the kingdom of God near in the neighbourhoods. So Jesus prayed for the disciples and the believers that were to come. And in our second passage we're about to read, we see that in just one or two generations' time, there's already division and split and conversations about Paul, who um, was a persecutor, then um, leader of people to Christ, of people not thinking he's the real deal. Paul, who's suffered many physical persecutions of them not thinking he's a true apostle. And so we're about to read um, 2 Corinthians 11, where we hear a list of what Paul has experienced and suffered on behalf of Christ as a missionary. And we've changed it to the message version today because we looked at it on Wednesday night. Some of the wording was a bit clunky um, because it's speaking at the start about Paul saying, I don't want to be like a fool. I don't want to boast like you do. I'm not boasting in the Lord when I tell you what I've done, but since you're all speaking of what you do and not thinking I'm a true apostle, here is what I've done for Christ. And so we're going to have a read of that now um, as we consider that mission and being the church can be uncomfortable, um, but God is at work in that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 33. Let me come back to where I started. And don't hold it against me if I continue to sound a little foolish. Or if you'd rather just accept that I am a fool and let me rant on a little. I didn't learn this kind of talk from Christ because he's about to talk of himself and what he's done. Oh no, it's a bad habit I picked up from the three ring preachers that are so popular these days. (laughs) Since you sit there in the judgment seat observing all these shenanigans, you can afford to humour an occasional fool who happens along. He's pretty direct, isn't he? You have such admirable tolerance for imposters who rob your freedom, rip you off, steal you blind, put you down, even slap your face. I shouldn't admit it to you, but our stomachs aren't strong enough to tolerate that kind of stuff. Since you admire the egomaniacs of the pulpit so much, remember, this is your old friend, the fool talking, let me try my hand at it. Do they brag of being Hebrews, Israelites, the pure race of Abraham? I'm their match. Are they servants of Christ? I can go them one better. I can't believe I'm saying these things. It's crazy to talk this way. But I started and I'm going to (laughs) finish. I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard travelling year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labour, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. When someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. If I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. The eternal and blessed God and Father and our Master Jesus knows I'm not lying. 
Remember the time I was in Damascus and the governor of King Aretas posted guards at the city gate to arrest me? I crawled through a window in the wall, was let down in a basket and had to run for my life. I felt exhausted saying all those things. Imagine actually experiencing those. Paul was getting all this bad rap for not being a true apostle, a true follower of Jesus from the teachers and preachers of the church. And so his language and his humor is kind of there because he's saying, I don't want to have to spell out all these things. I imagine he might have had flashbacks doing it as well. But because you're all wanting this from me, here's my list. (laughs) I kind of get the sense that walking with our life may sometimes experience, we might get criticism as the church, as followers of the way. What Paul endured was uncomfortable, relationally, physically, mentally. And yet at the end there, he says, if I must, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness, my dependence on God in those situations. The blessed God, Jesus, who I follow and experience these things for. Becky and I were talking about this message as well, and she was um, reflecting with me on some of the um, leaders in our time, those like Brian Houston and Bill Hybels, who receive a lot of criticism and flack for what they do. They're doing um, great things and great um, leadership of the church and the world, and yet experience probably just as much criticism, um, 60-minute interviews, um, and misunderstandings. And it's a tough reality as Christians that that is what we sometimes maybe um, have towards each other or receive from the world. Yet, as we see from Paul, for him, divine power was at work in moments of human vulnerability. That as he walked the hard road that Jesus walked, as he pursued the mission of Christ to bring the kingdom of heaven near, it was tough. But he had the Holy Spirit helping him along the way. I was talking to Ali O'Neill, who is part of our community and who um, leads the team at the cafe. And I was asking her about what it's like in her role and intersecting with people in the neighborhood and and what fulfillment um, she finds in that and what she does to show the kingdom of heaven. And these are her words. She said, if I get the chance to have a conversation with someone, which isn't often these days because it's so busy, (laughs) I just think through... How can I show God's love through this? I love that. I love that statement. How can I show God's love through this? That wherever we are, it can be a question that we ask ourselves. So as we need to conclude our time together today, there's just another thought I want us to look at. We know the church in mission, us in mission, in life, is uncomfortable sometimes. And so my other question is, If we don't do this, if we don't go to the corners of the earth, if we don't go to the people groups and the neighbourhood that we are part of, that we might perhaps perhaps be part of the perpetrators who are enabling the absence of mercy and justice and love in our neighbourhoods. That when we um, don't speak to people who are different from us, when we don't go to those challenging situations, that perhaps those made in God's image haven't got a Jesus present there. Perhaps when we don't buy ethically sometimes, are we allowing persecution to happen? 
When we don't bring light to the darkness, are we missing mercy and justice? We want to be a community that is in mission in the neighbourhood because it's there that we find the suffering Christ who also knew what it was to walk this hard road, what it was to experience rejection and persecution, and yet his love for others made in God's image is what motivated him. Romans 12, 13 says, Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. As we consider what is our part to play in the mission of God, in the kingdom of heaven, I was thinking about the prisoner of war camps that we sometimes read about from World War I and World War II and the stories that came from there. And I remember reading one where they said, if you don't have hope, if you didn't have hope in the prison camps, you had nothing. But sometimes that was all that what people were able to hold on to. And so as we think about our neighbourhood, there are many probably looking or wondering where their hope can be. And so as we think about getting up and going, let's get a bit uncomfortable so that we don't become comfortable Christians, but that we take following the way of Jesus seriously to respond to God's love to us and to the image of God in everyone around us. So I wonder what God might be nudging you towards, perhaps in your workplace, in your home, your family, in your neighbourhood. Paul's going to put a slide up for us. And there's a couple of pathways that if you are getting a bit of a nudge or desire to maybe step a little bit into the uncomfortable, that there are a few ways that you can do that within this space. Um, So Steve is part of Foothills um, where they provide community meals every Wednesday and this Wednesday, Wednesday night formation, uh, we're going along to learn, to be present and also to help serve dessert. And I know already for some of the group there's a little bit of nerves about um, entering that space and we really appreciate that, Steve. Um, But you're welcome if you want to come with us to Foothills on Wednesday. Um, It's the way that we're trying to step out of becoming a comfortable Wednesday group. Um, into the uncomfortable. Uh, We are going to Dareton Holiday Program again in October um, to help run that. And so if that's something that you um, are interested in or you care about the kids of the neighbourhood, that's a way too. We have Breakfast Club at Baronia West Primary School on a Friday morning. And Aaron runs that with a lady, June, from um, Christian Women's Fellowship. And um, they're a great presence there in a school that is low um, in numbers and low in funding Um, by providing a breakfast there. So that's also another way. Another way is that you can just come along to the Hub Cafe and just have a coffee there and sit just to see the people of our neighbourhood, of who's in Baronia, um, and, yeah, just observe what happens there. Um, Or you could maybe check out the Stable One um, winter shelter that is happening. And I know Abby Scott felt a bit of a nudge before for that, so we might even maybe visit um, one night as well. So here are a few pathways. If you're feeling a bit of a a nudge or a bit of a desire to enter a bit of a new or uncomfortable space, um, God goes before us. Jesus is with us in that, and we don't do it alone. We're part of a big community. Um, As we finish, I do want to acknowledge there might be three types of us sitting in this room today as I put this up on the wall. You might already be involved in uh, mission groups or missional home. And so my prayer for you is that God will increase 
and overflow through you in the spaces you're in at the moment. You might be in a season where you have little ones or things are a bit difficult at the moment and um, looking at this list might seem a bit overwhelming. Um, So my prayer for you in that is that um, when God leads you to be available and ready for that space, that he'll provide you with ways to do that. Well, there may be some of you here today that are looking for a bit of a new, um, uncomfortable, joyful, challenging experience, and um, you're welcome to see any of us about what's up here. I've also got the community events at the bottom that Josh is running too, because he's going to be running community events for the neighbourhood. So there's ways to observe, ways to pray, um, ways to be involved if you feel a nudge towards that. So as we finish... um, Let's pray together, um, praying that as we scatter from here today, we are missionaries in all areas of life, in our homes, workplace, social groups, friends, church, neighbourhood, and that we don't do it alone. We do it with the Holy Spirit, um, and we do it because we know that there is where we can find joy and fulfilment, a little bit of discomfort, but a little bit of purpose. So let's pray. Jesus, we follow you, the suffering Christ who experienced um, rejection, betrayal, abandonment in this world when you lived here. And so you know what it's like for those in our neighbourhood who are on the margins, who are discredited by social hierarchies, who have had a bad situation happen and have ended up in a tricky place. And God, we as your church, we don't want to just be comfortable Christians. We want to be active ones. We want to be active followers of your way, the way that brings hope and peace and justice to this world. And so we come to you asking you what that might look like in the places in the season we are in. Who are the people around us who we can, as Ali said, seek to show a bit of God's love to For those who are already serving you in these ways, God, would you abundantly bless them and produce an overflow through them, Um, that as they serve and go through the gritty times, that you would be their source of help and protection and strength. For those in the room who are in a challenging season of their own, we pray for your nurture there, um, and also that when the time comes to be able to go into a little bit of discomfort and mission, that Um, you would provide a way and your help with that, knowing they're doing mission already where they are. And for those in the room who are feeling a bit of a nudge, a bit of a prompting, a bit of a desire to try something new and exciting and life-giving and eternal, we pray that you would um, provide a pathway and a way for that to happen um, that's best with their skills and gifts and time and talent and um, ultimately for your mission for the world. God, would you bless us as we go, knowing that we represent the face of you, Jesus Christ, wherever we go. We bear your image, and as we intersect with those in your image, we commit to bring your love and hope and justice and mercy there as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to welcoming, welcoming, worshipping. And maybe welcoming with you next week. (laughs) Thank you.